0: If you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Genesis and the book of Hebrews. I need you to find two places for me tonight. I want you to go to the book of Genesis, and then I also want you to make a mark for Hebrews chapter 11. I'm sorry, I'm hitting the mic on the table, hurting your eardrums. Not very nice of me. Hebrews chapter 11 and then Genesis chapter 1. We are so grateful that all of you came out tonight, that you came back from last week. Thank you for being here. Uh, my name is Daniel Harris, and I serve as the college pastor of The View. And we are a ministry, as we said last week. As you see on our social media, we are a place of imperfect people coming together to worship the perfect God. There are no perfect people here. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We are a place of imperfect people. But what we get to do is we get to come together, and we get to worship the perfect God there's only one name we worship here there's only one name we sing out about that's the name of Jesus Christ we believe Jesus was fully man and fully God that he died for the sins of the world your sins and my sins Jackson he died for the sins of the world and three days later he didn't just die for him he resurrected from the grave that's what we believe here we believe there's hope in Jesus We believe that this world is fallen, but we can find redemption and restoration in the name of Jesus. And that's why we worship. That's why we sing. That's why we praise. That's why you see testimonies like Jordan Lee, whose life has changed radically. Because God uses, yes, amen, praise God. God uses places like this in order to save people and change their lives, Jessica. And it's a beautiful thing. And if this is your first time here, we are so glad that you are here. I hope that you stopped by the First Time Guest banner. If you didn't, right now, we had We had over 50 guests text us last week, which is amazing. And I got a feeling that there's more in the room tonight. I want you to text GUEST to 901-833-7525. You can do that right now. Text guests so that we can follow up with you. We were having great conversations this past week with many students who came to The View, and, and they started school last week. I know some of you have been stressed with school starting, but they texted us, and we've been having some really encouraging conversations. So please reach out to us. We would love to get to know you and to share a little bit about our heart for the ministry. Now tonight, if you're taking notes, I hope that you have something to take notes with. I'm going to move. I'm going to have a, try to have a really good pace tonight. I want you to write this down at the top of your notes. Elohim, part one, and then colon, power. I should come up on the screen in a minute. Elohim, E-L-O-H-I-M. Elohim, part one, power. Tonight, I'm very excited to begin a two-part sermon with you part one tonight and then part two next week where we're going to study the name of God which is Elohim and this has been something that's blessed my soul I don't know if you've come to know this yet or found this out in your life but God's name Ali God's name watch this God's name is power can I get a witness tonight amen listen I need to hear you guys tonight y'all did okay last week but I need to hear you guys tonight the Lord's name has power amen amen on Listen, I want to hear you all night long. The Lord's name has power. Never mind his abilities, his name alone can move mountains. Have you experienced it before? His name alone can save people from the chains of sin in their life. Have you ever experienced that before? His name, the name of God has power. What's amazing is there's more than one name for God. Did you know that? And it's not just like he has a middle name. It's not... It's not just sandwiched in between there, one extra name. No, God has many, many names. The question is why? The first thing you have to understand, why does God have multiple names? Here's what I want you to understand. God has multiple names so that he can teach you, watch, different aspects of his nature. That's what I'm talking about. Somebody's already like, yes, multiple names. Different aspects of his nature. What's amazing about God is one name would not suffice for God. His character and his nature and who he is goes far past just one name. So he uses multiple names in scripture to reveal who he is. Now, let me remind you, as I told you, I said this at the very start of Use Your Voice back in January. Isn't it an honor that God, the creator of everything, would even come down from heaven to reveal himself to you and me? Can you imagine Like, I love, love, love LeBron James, but LeBron James hasn't ever come to my house and knock on the door and say, man, I'd love to spend some time with you. (laughs) But God has literally, who created everything, has come down from heaven, and every single morning, Trey, wants to spend time with me? Man, who am I? Who am I to spend time with the Lord? And yet he loves you. He loves me. He wants to know you. And so these names reflect different parts of God's character. Now, in the Old Testament, names were a lot more than just simply a sound you would use to associate with someone. It's how they knew someone. And oftentimes in the Old Testament, if you're familiar with this, names would change. God would change people's names in the Old Testament to reflect, watch, a change in nature, a change in situation, a change in reality. God would change a name. I know you're very familiar with Abram, which means exalted father. His name was changed to Abraham, meaning father of a multitude You remember Jacob's name was changed from Jacob, which means deceitful, to Israel, which means the one who prevails, which would one day foreshadow the the coming out of slavery Israel would experience and into the promised land. Israel would prevail. And then in the New Testament, we see this play out in the New Testament, Kate. We see Jesus change Simon's name to Peter, which means rock, who God, who Jesus would use to build his church upon for the New Testament and for where we are today. We are currently living in the missions era of the Bible, which is really, really exciting for me. Now, in Scripture, a name carried weight. A name carried weight. I see you guys all in the back. Glad that y'all are here. A name carried weight in the Old Testament. So when Jesus says in John 17, verse 26, listen to this. When Jesus says to the Father, he's praying, he says, I have made your name known to the world and will make it known. Jesus is meaning more than syllables and nouns. What he's saying is, I, I, Father, have made your character and who you are known to the disciples, known to Israel, and known to the world. So let me ask you a question that's not in my notes, but straight up. As you're living your life, which name are you building upon? Because your name will not last, but the name of Jesus 2,000 years later is still radically changing lives. So you and me gotta ask the question, are we building a life, a ministry, a career, a future marriage? Are we building it on our name and our career and what we can do, or are we building it on the magnificent name of Jesus Christ? I promise you, you will not regret building your life on the name of Jesus. Now what happens is, if we don't understand God's name, I don't believe we understand God's nature. If names are how he reveals his nature to us, I think we're lacking when we don't understand his names. I wrote this down. It hit me in the face as I've been reflecting on it all weekend. And I just want you to think about this before we read. God's name is something more than what we make reference to. God's name has to be something that we have, watch, reverence for. In other words, don't refer to God's name without having reverence for God's name. Because we love to casually throw out the name of God when we want to get something done our way, when we want things to happen. But tonight, a big walking action step is to please do not refer to God's name without having reverence for God's name. You will fall into taking the Lord's name in vain. Now look with me at Genesis 1 verse 1. As we look at the very first verse in the Bible. I know you got Hebrews 11 marked as well. Right here in verse 1, this is the name. Yeah, let's keep, we can put this up on the screen. This is the name used right here in 1-1. So when you see in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, what you are seeing is in the beginning Elohim created. Now Elohim, write this down. The literal translation means strong one. The literal translation means strong one, supreme one, mighty one. is communicating a strength. And then it's saying not just that Elohim is the strong one, but in the beginning, the strong one, not just saying the strong one of many, but the strong one created the heavens and the earth. So much is given in this first verse that we miss when we don't study it. Tony Evans, in his book, uses the term strong creator God. Elohim is what you need to remember when you are doubting God's strength or ability. When you find yourself in your life and your parents are getting a divorce or you find yourself in your life and you're battling addiction or you find yourself in your life and you're struggling to believe that that career you want God to provide you with one day will really happen. You need to remember that God is Elohim, that God is the strong one. And if it's in his will, it will happen. <laughs> if it's in his will, it will happen. Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the The earth. Before we pray, this is God's introduction, is what Tony Evans likes to say. This is God's prelude. (laughs) Like this is God's first impression with humanity. You ever made a bad first impression? I asked our leaders a while ago, you ever made a bad first impression on somebody? (laughs) I made a bad first impression on my wife one time. Riding in the car. And I needed a, we were going on a trip real quick. We were going on a trip, and I was like, man, this is going to be awesome. Uh, we're going to go out of town together. And I needed to pull over. We were driving through the night, so we pulled over, and I was taking a nap in the backseat of the car. I was like, baby, i got to get some sleep. i got to take some sleep. So she was doing some schoolwork, and I'm napping in the backseat of the car, and I'm closing my eyes. I'm getting some rest. And the whole time while I'm sleeping, I didn't even realize it, but the entire time, without even being able to defend myself, I was constantly and silently passing gas. <laughs> The entire time in the car, unable to defend myself because I'm snoozing. And this whole time, she is looking at me like I'm nasty and I'm filthy, and it's hard to get over that impression. It's, I'm grateful she married me. <laughs> right? Praise God. Thank you for staying with me. First impressions matter. Those impressions we make early on a person matter. And literally, God is making the impression to you and me that, hey, I am Elohim. I am the strong one. He wants you to know that his first impression is that he is the creator. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. And God, I do pray that we would have reverence for it. Father, I pray we would have reverence for your word. We would have reverence for your name tonight. Father, I just ask that you would come down and you would speak through me, Father. We, we don't want to be here if you're not here. Father, we don't want to be in this place if your spirit is not moving in this place. Father, we ask and pray knowing that the devil is rebuked in the name of Jesus from this place. Distractions, discouragement is rebuked. Father, I pray that you would save someone tonight. You would soften their heart tonight. I pray that you would speak every word through me, Father. Who cares what I have to say? We want to hear from you, and we ask that you would speak. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So main points And then two sub-points really quickly. The main point I want you to write down is Elohim is power. Elohim is power. Hebrews 11 verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. Now, last week we talked about battles. Last week we talked about battles. We talked about how God is fighting our battles. We sang about that tonight. God will take us out of Egypt. God will lead us from this place into heaven. God is going before us. Now, all of us have crisis situations that come up in our life. And this is a reoccurring thing. As I talk to more of you, as I talk to more leaders, as I talk to college students who are are doing ministry and are living life and are making disciples and are sharing their faith, what happens is battles arise. There's no way around it. It's something we need to keep talking about because many of you are in a battle tonight. Some of you, it's a new battle from last week. Some of you, it's the same battle. You feel like you got no hope from it. Goliaths show up in our life. And when Goliaths show up in our life, when battles show up in your life, you do not need your name. You see, that's what David understood in the Old Testament when Goliath came. David understood it was not his name that would be the reason why he would prevail over his Goliath in his life, but it would be the name of God. So he went forth in the name of God and prevailed. So in your life, whatever crisis situation tonight, whatever Goliath you have in your life tonight, can I tell you that it's God's name who will take you through that battle. Amen. You need God's name. There is authority in his name. I told this story a while ago. It's one of my favorite stories about names, and I was in Honduras. How many of you have been on a mission trip before? Raise your hand. Been out of the country, served the Lord nationally, locally, ever been to a project around the city, ever shared Jesus at University of Memphis campus or CBU or Southwest? I was on a mission project in Honduras, and me and Tina Che, one of our students, we were going through security, trying to get home. We were leaving. We were leaving Honduras, and we were coming back to America. And we're going through the security line. I'll never forget this story. Some of you remember it. We were going through the security line, and I was just wanting to get home. And and Kat, I put my bag in the little security line and was sending it through. And and we were about to keep going, and she picked up my backpack. And she doesn't speak any English. But she picks up my backpack, and she starts looking inside of it. Some of you remember this. She starts looking inside the backpack, and then she looks inside, and she goes, I can't fake this. She goes, (gasps) That is the last sound you want to hear in the security of a foreign airport. (laughs) To open your bag and go, and I'm like, did I leave a bomb in there? Like, what did I leave in there? Like, jeez, like, like, what is happening? And I start freaking out, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I brought my gun to Honduras and even realize it's in the bag. Like, I don't even have a gun. How is that possible? You know, and so she goes, and she looks at me. And in this moment, she reaches in to pull something out, and I'm like, I remember what it is. Going to Honduras, Trey, I wanted to take a car game. I love this card game, but the name and the picture on the box would probably alarm some people. The name of the game is Exploding Kittens. (laughs) And there's a nuclear explosion on the front cover. (laughs) So I have just walked through a Honduras airport security line with a box that has a nuclear explosion on it and says exploding. (laughs) And she looks at me in this moment. She looks down and she looks up, she looks down, and she goes like this. bomb bomb I like she stopped mid yell to ask me bomb bomb <laughs> i'm like no card game <laughs> fun <laughs> like card game no bomb like it's not gonna explode and i'm freaking out and we can't go through security we cannot keep going and then all of a sudden i'm looking for rick jones our team leader i can't i don't see him i don't see anyone else from the team and then all of a sudden somebody shows up and they've got a different look to them they've got a different badge to them they come and what i realize is they have a different title than anyone else What happens is head of security shows up. And when head of security shows up, he checks the box, he clears us, and we're able to keep going. See, in other words, there was someone in the airport who had the clearance to pass me through from the mess I got myself in. How many of you know that Jesus Christ in his name alone has the authority in this earth to pass you through the mess that you have gotten yourself in? Amen? Isn't that amazing? The name of exploding kittens got me in trouble. And let me tell you something, if you're living for your name or any other name, you will get yourself in trouble. And when you get into that crisis situation, you need to know the name of Jesus Christ because he is the only head of security who can stand in front of you. He's the only lawyer who can go to court for you. He's the only doctor who can stand in and heal you. He's the only one. Do you know him tonight? Head of security shows up, me and Tina are able to keep going, and I'm able to get home. In this world, those who don't meet the head of security, those who don't personally meet Jesus Christ, don't get to go home to heaven. The decision on whether you get to go home to heaven with your father or hell, which is very real, depends on if you know the head of security. And that's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. How do you know him? You repent of your sins. You believe in his resurrection, and you trust that he is Lord. You confess that he is Lord. You don't just choose Jesus. You start following Jesus. (laughs) See, a lot of people want to take his name and associate it with themselves, but they're going the opposite direction that he's going. I don't know how basketball goes on the NBA level, but what I do know about LeBron is that if you're on LeBron's team and he's the head honcho, if you're claiming to be on his team and he's going this way and you're trying to go this way, you ain't going to be on the team for long. (laughs) And as followers of Jesus, if we're claiming to be disciples, he's the head honcho. we got to be going his way. Where is he going in your life? Where is he trying to take you? He might have a different college for you than where you're at. He might have a different career and calling for you than where you're at. He might, He might just have someone different for you to marry than the person that you want to marry. Oh, Daniel, no, you heard the ceiling. The ceiling was like, ugh. <laughs> oh, I get to choose who I marry. What if? He has the one he wants you to marry. There's no such thing as soulmates. There's no one person. I believe the Lord can lead us to be happy with many people who are believers if they love Jesus. But what if you're so fixated on one person that is keeping you from who God could lead you to down the road? Who am I speaking to tonight? Who am I speaking to? I asked my D group this question, then I gotta move on. I asked them, I said, man, if God told you, hey, you won't meet the person you're gonna marry for another five years, would you be okay with that? If so, your future really don't belong. God it belongs to you I need to keep going I need to keep going I'm about to fall over the table my (laughs) man table a little bit closer let me keep going I'm excited tonight Paul I'm excited to be here uh number one power over creation this is a sub point we're moving very quickly power over creation so Elohim is power what we see is that Elohim is power over creation When Moses was in a trap, a crisis situation, similar to me in the airport, when Moses found himself trying to rescue Israel out of slavery as God had told him to, God revealed a name to him. He said, you shall say that I am who I am has sent you. The great I am has sent you to rescue Israel. Now, I want you to write this down. God identifies himself as Elohim. Watch this. God identifies himself as Elohim 35 times at the start of Scripture. In fact, Elohim is the only name used for God. Do we have that slide? Elohim is the only name right here. Elohim is the only name used for God from Genesis 1-1 to Genesis 2-3. Did you know that the Old Testament uses it a total of 2,750 times? I would say it's at least a little important when you... From 1-1 to 2-3, it's Elohim. God is emphasizing that he is creator. Now, David understood this in Psalm 8, verse 3 and 4. Look at the screen. David says, When I observe your heavens and the work of your fingers. Look at that. The work of your fingers. Not your hands, but your fingers. When I observe the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place. What is a human being that you remember him? A son of man that you look after him. In other words, David's looking at the sky, he's looking at the stars, he's looking at space. And he's saying, with all this that you created, why are you concerned about my life? Out of 7 billion people in the world, and we don't even know how many people existed before that, maybe you could find a number, out of all those people, God still uniquely and individually cares about you. That's amazing. David is emphasizing right here the same concept as Elohim, that God is creator. And the work of his fingers is the best part of this verse. For example, when I was a kid, I used to love hanging out with my Pawpaw, and what we would do is, watch this very quickly, what we would do is we would go to the backyard and we would play on the jungle gym. He had a swing, he had a slide, and he had monkey bars. I'm terrified of heights. I don't naturally gravitate towards the monkey bars. If you saw me on the playground as a kid, I'd go down the slide a thousand times before I went across the monkey bars. I was scared to break my leg. I was scared to go across. And I remember my grandpa in his backyard telling me, he said, Daniel, you're fine. Go, I got you. And so I climb up the ladder, and I'm standing there, and I look down. Don't look down again because I look down at death. And I start reaching out, and I grab the poles, and I start going. And I get halfway across, Delaney. I get halfway across, and then my arms, as they do when I try to do pull-ups now, start shaking. (laughs) And they start hurting. And I start realizing, like, this is it. It's been a great eight years of my life. Really lived a lot. And so I just let go. I don't know what to do. I let go. And in this moment, I felt my papa grab me right underneath my sides. And all he did, like this much, was lift up. And I was so light and he was so big. All he needed was his fingertips to lift me up. He didn't even need the full use of his hand. What David is saying is, hey, you are a creation, you are not the creator, and you are so small. You are so small, you are so light, your entire life is so light that God is so big, he can literally pick up your entire life and pick you up in all your battles and all your wars, and he doesn't even need the full grip of his hand, he just needs his fingertips. He's saying, God God did not even use his full hand to create everything. It was his fingertips. So how could you or I ever doubt his ability in a battle if he is that strong? What some of you need to do tonight is stop going across the monkey bars on your own strength and start realizing that your Father in heaven can hold you up through that battle. Practically what that looks like is you need to start praying. You need to start talking to God. As Bree said, if Elohim really is the creator of the universe, why would you not talk to him? Because all things are possible through him. <laughs> but you don't get to experience the miracles of what God can do until you start to know God in your personal life. What's your prayer life look like? Have you ever done any kind of prayer cards Will you put Elohim on there and you pray it over yourself for the day? And you pray, Elohim, be with me today. Let me experience your power. Let me experience how I can be loved and known by who you are. Are there people in your life that you have prayer cards for? Or is prayer like a side item on a meal you eat once a week? Or something when you get in a crisis? I can't remember who said it. Someone said prayer is either the steering wheel or the spare tire. (laughs) Either it's what directs you or just what you go to when you need last minute saving. That's how big Elohim is. He created every single thing with his fingertips. He is the creator. Now, this is amazing. I want you to think about this. Here in Genesis 1-1, ask why did God choose to introduce himself as Elohim? I believe there's a big reason. God, from the very beginning, the very beginning of the Bible, has been trying to get us to understand that what I said a moment ago is so true. He is creator. You and I are creation. We don't get to put ourselves in the role of the head of security. We don't get to put ourselves in the role of creator. But what did they do in the Old Testament? Time and time again, Amber, they constantly man-made gods and they worshiped them. Tyler, they constantly made gods from their own hands that would always topple over. Gods that would fall over that really, that had no power, no depth to them. The same thing as social media today. The same thing we worship today. They made man-made gods, Fernando, and then worship those gods. I got to tell you, from Genesis 1-1, God has been trying to tell you, you are not a god. You are not a creator. You are the creation. I am the god. I am the creator. <laughs> Ever since the very beginning of the Bible, and today we still don't understand that truth. You see, we don't create anything at its core. As human beings, in the Bible, creator is never associated with man or woman. It is always associated with God. Did you know that, Allie? It's always associated with God. Because if you think about it, we don't create. We reconfigure. (laughs) We edit. You go out, you build a house. Where would you get the wood from? The trees? You planted the trees. Where do you get the seeds from? At the end of the day, we cannot make something from nothing. We're just editing everything around us. But God... The word of the Lord, when he speak in the the very beginning, before all this was here, he spoke and from nothing came something and that something was beautiful in his eyes. It was us and he sees us as valuable enough to send Jesus down to die for the sins of the world. So for you and me, we have got to understand that from the very first verse of the Bible, the very first impression is that you are not a creator. You are the creation and you're made to worship the creator. And worshiping the creator is the greatest joy of your life. God is teaching us from one-one that he's not a tree, Paul. God is not the sky. God is not a river. We're going to talk about this more next week. God is not just an energy source that you feel, that gives you emotions. God is not just the the loud music in here or the lights. God is not this creation. He is above it. He is over it. He is in charge of it. But as humans, we still don't understand that truth. Because what we do is, watch, we do it all the time. We take the attributes of this world, the sinful attributes of this world, and we display them unto God, Seth. You want to know at its core, that's why we have a hard time trusting God. I see you guys in the back. The reason why we don't trust God is because we don't see him as trustworthy. Why is because people in this world, people will give you a reason not to trust him. Family will give you a reason not to trust him. You, stay around yourself for a little while and you will give yourself a reason not to trust you. Am I right? The longer I'm with me, the longer I realize I really should not trust me. And what happens is God, who has never, ever, 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 ever given you a reason not to trust him, yet you start believing the lie Satan is telling you that God is just like this world, God is just like these people, and you start believing that God is not trustworthy. And then all of a sudden you don't give God your future because you're holding on to it because you're scared of God, what God might do with it. So at the end of it, do you view Elohim, the creator, as trustworthy? Or has Satan lied to you? Remember what he did in the garden? Don't act like we've forgotten. All of humanity is forgetting and forgetting and forgetting what God did, what Satan did. In the garden, Satan convinced Adam and Eve that God was keeping something what? Good from them. The devil came in in Genesis 3 and said, hey, God's keeping something good from you. When in reality, was God keeping anything good from Adam and Eve? No. Look at this world. From that fallen mistake, that sin in the garden, all the wars, all the bloodshed, all the racism, all the hatred, all the cursing, all the sexual immorality, everything in this nation, everything in this world that has ever happened that is sin has come from the devil deceiving Adam and Eve. And he's doing it in your life tonight. Is he lying to you? Be real. This ain't no sermon. This you and me talking. I got some steps here tonight. I can walk down a little bit. I like this, Jessica. I ain't gonna fall on you. You put my mask on if I come down here. <laughs> is Satan lying to you? Don't you ain't gotta say it out loud. Just talk. To, just answer to yourself. Don't talk to the devil, brother. Steve says it all the time. Don't talk to the devil. But is the devil lying to you this week, right now? Is he telling you God isn't trustworthy because God's never given you a reason not to trust him? Is he telling you that sexual immorality that that act with your boyfriend or girlfriend that you know is sin is he telling you that you really can't do without it? You need it? <laughs> because that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. Is he lying to you about your body? Your image? I'm not skinny enough. I don't look good enough. I don't look like these people on Instagram. I need to hurt myself. I need to starve myself. Is he lying to you? Because it's a lie from Satan. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but if the devil is lying to you, the best thing you can do is rebuke him in the name of Jesus and then run to the word of God. Listen, if every time you experience spiritual warfare, you don't go back to the word of God, you are missing the point. You cannot find solutions to your worldly problems by going to the world. This is so stupid. I wrote it down. But going to the world for solutions is like swimming. Look, it's like swimming to the bottom of a pool to find air. You're going the wrong direction. When you're in a pool and you're drowning, you don't find air by looking down or around. You find air by looking up. And guess what? When you have a Goliath in your life, when you have battles in your life, you are not going to find your solutions by looking down or around. You're going to find your solutions by looking up. To heaven, to the name of Jesus. So if Satan's lying to you, run to his word. Get in prayer. Get away from that loser. All <laughs> right loser. Elohim is huge. He's over this world. Number two, power over time. What we learn about Elohim from the very beginning, I hope that you remember that. Take that with you. Please implement that in your week somehow this week. Do not worship creation. Do not do what they have done in the Old Testament. Do not worship your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Do not worship sexual immorality. And I, I can sense in this room that's so thick and that's so heavy, that's hitting somebody right in the gut. <laughs> sexual immorality for somebody in here has been a battle that you are tired of losing. You will never conquer it no matter how many times you go over it and over and over it in your mind. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but you will never win it on your own strength. You're going to continue to lose and feel beaten up until you run to God's word and prayer. You'll never beat it. You need the Holy Spirit. You need accountability in your life to overcome that sin. And if the Lord's talking to you right now, find someone to be accountable to who will ask you hard questions about your life. Power over time. Tony Evans, I love this quote. I'm trying to understand it. But what he says is, when you or I discuss the concept of time linearly, (coughs) excuse me. We cannot fit God inside it because God exists outside of time. The only thing we're aware of that exists outside of time is eternity itself. So God is not limited by time but lives in eternity. I love the last thing he says. He says, time is a constraint with which we battle but is not a problem for God. John 1.1 tells us that in the beginning was the word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the same fashion that when you see Genesis 1-1, you can safely say, in the beginning Elohim created. When you see John 1-1, you can safely say, in the beginning was Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was with God. He had perfect fellowship with God. And Jesus Christ was God. In other words, he is fully God and fully man. It is through Jesus Christ that all things were created through him. All things were created through Jesus Christ, and all things were created, salsa, for Jesus Christ. That means that Jesus Christ, watch, owns time. I don't know how to understand fully the Trinity. I don't know how to fully understand that God exists in eternity, that he's just as much here. What I do know is that God doesn't have a yesterday or a tomorrow. I don't understand it, but all of it is present for God. That's why he's the ever-present God. So if you're worried about tomorrow, if you're sitting here tonight and you're stressing out about tomorrow or this week, you realize that God is already there. God is already in your tomorrow. So what are you so worried about? (laughs) Time belongs to Jesus Christ. What's amazing, I mean, latch a hold of this, guys. This is so important. If there was a time that Jesus Christ did not exist, that would mean that time is over Jesus. But since Jesus Christ has always existed, Jesus Christ is over time. Which means, watch, Jesus Christ does not answer to time the way you and me do. Time answers to Jesus Christ. I talked about LeBron. He's had a phenomenal 17-year career. At some point, he's got to retire because Father Time is undefeated. (laughs) You cannot play forever, and for you and me, we cannot live together on this earth. We will answer to time at some point, but Jesus doesn't answer to time. Jesus is outside of time. Time will answer to Jesus, but what the the sorriest part of Christianity sometimes is that most of us fear time more than we fear Jesus Christ. (laughs) Some of us are more afraid of being single at 25 than we are of proclaiming Jesus with our life. And none of this about dating is in my notes. I don't know who this is for, but some of us are more afraid of what next week has to offer instead of what Jesus Christ could offer. Your time does not belong to you. Hear me. If you and me at some point will answer to time in this world, but Jesus Christ is over time, how could we ever be so foolish to think that our time is really our time? That's why when Jesus says, Go, therefore, Matthew, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit of all nations. That's why when Jesus says, go and worship me, praise the Father, give glory to the Father. You need to fast, you need to pray, you need to spend time. When Jesus tells us these commands to worship only God, it's because he's in charge of our time. But some of us walk around like our time is ours. He has power over time. Now, Speaking of time, I'm going to do very well on time tonight. Thank you very much. I'm going to do very well on time tonight, but I want to tell you show me your schedule, and I will show you your values. Elohim, the strong one, he's outside of time, always has been. Show me your schedule, I'll show you your values. Because at the end of the day, I told our leaders this. You don't value anything that you don't make time for. If you claim to value loving God, how much of your day is devoted to loving God versus loving you? Shoot, that hit me in the gut. I don't know if it hit you in the gut. How how much of your time goes to loving God versus loving you? If you and I really claim to love people, how much of our time is geared towards actually doing ministry versus just doing what we want to do? If we really value sharing Jesus, why have we allowed a pandemic to put sharing Jesus on hold? You tell me. And then if we really value making disciples are we making disciples? Some of you are perfectly equipped and trained to lead a D group, to lead two or three people through the Word with this Bible right here. We had a girl watching our live stream. Shout out to her. She saw the Bible I was using and ordered it on Amazon. It's a disciple Bible. Ain't nothing special about it. It has a reading plan inside of it, and you do it with a D group. You listen to Bree Kellum. She talked about a D group with my wife. My wife is an amazing discipler. Discipleship changes lives. You could be in a D group like this, but really. There's a lot of you who are perfectly equipped and capable to lead a D group, but you're not, and that's a shame. That's a shame. All you have to do is contact me or Jacob, and we will set you up to either be in a D group or to lead a D group. We will encourage you. We will pair you with people who you can walk through Scripture with. You can walk from Genesis to Revelation through the Bible, and then all of a sudden what's amazing is you'll start understanding some of these references. When I talk about Israel, when I talk about the law, when I talk about some of these things with time and Elohim, when you start going through Scripture with someone, you'll, it'll start to click. I remember the first time it clicked for me. I was at a park reading John chapter 4. I'd never applied the Bible to my life. I remember the first time I ever read the Bible, and I said, wow, this actually changes the way I'm going to live tomorrow. And I didn't even realize it, but in that moment, Elijah, it clicked. Like, I just applied the Bible to my life. You need that through discipleship. Now, I need to keep going. My action step, what I want to leave you with tonight is this. Write this down. Action step is to pray for the wisdom of Elohim. What I believe we should do from this sermon, a lot of theology and a lot of core truths about God's nature and God's character, practicality. What I believe we should do is we should pray for Wisdom of Elohim. And I want you to write down Proverbs chapter 8. This is one that I had in my reading. Write this down in your notes, Proverbs chapter 8. An amazing chapter in the Bible. And What it does is it gives us more insight into really how God created everything in the beginning, when he spoke, what it was like. Starting in verse 13. Verse 13, listen to me if it's not on the screen. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. Here it is right here. I hate arrogant pride. This is wisdom talking. I hate arrogant pride, evil conduct, and perverse speech. I possess good advice and sound wisdom. I have understanding. I have strength. It is by me that kings reign and rulers enact just law. It is by wisdom that princes lead and do nobles and all righteous judges. Wisdom says, I love those who love me, and those who search for me find me. In other words, the wisdom of the Lord isn't far, but you're going to have to choose in the morning to start finding wisdom from the Lord and stop relying on your own experience. With me, wisdom says, are riches and honor, lasting wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than solid gold and my harvest than pure silver. I walk in the ways of righteousness along the path of justice, giving wealth as an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasures. Look at this in verse 22. The Lord acquired me at the beginning of his creation before his works of long ago. Just listen, zone in here. Please don't, don't zone out for the scripture right here. I was formed before ancient times. From the beginning. Before the earth began, wisdom was born when there were no watery depths and no springs filled with water. Before the mountains were established, prior to the hills I was given birth. Before God made the land of the fields or the first soul on earth, I, wisdom, was there when he established the heavens. When he laid out the horizon on the surface of the ocean. God, the strong one, the creator, spoke from his wisdom and created So practically, take all that and now ask the question, when you make decisions in your life, do you make them from your wisdom or do you make them from the wisdom of God? Tell me what would happen. If each day you prayed and said, Lord, give me wisdom as I make decisions today. Lord, don't allow me to make decisions today that are rash, that are not in accordance with your word. Don't let me steer the ship. Don't let prayer be the spare tire. Let me be guided by your spirit. What would happen? Two things from this, two action steps from this week. The first one I wrote down is that those who have wisdom share it. (laughs) Is that scriptural? You tell me. Those who have wisdom, share it. In God's wisdom before creation, what did he do with his wisdom? He literally shared it. (laughs) Like besides the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he literally created us so that we could share in his wisdom and in his creation. Isn't that amazing? Those who have wisdom, share it. Do you ever call someone up in your life and say, man, God put something on my heart, I want to share it with you? Do you ever do that? It'll change somebody's life. Look at me, I'm so serious. If you would pray for wisdom and pray for someone to encourage and call them tomorrow, you could change somebody's entire week. Those who have wisdom share it. And then this last one is those who have wisdom manage time well. What we see ever so clearly in creation at the beginning is that God created in six days and he rests on the seventh. I'll tell you what, God used his time well. Well, Jesus used his time well. Your mornings, how do they start? Are they rushed? Is it just trying to get out of the door because God wants your mornings? What do you do during the day? Who do you live for? And how do you end your night? Does it end when you go to bed with sin, with darkness, or does it end with thanking God for what he did that day? Let's all stand up. You can put your stuff away. I just want you to listen real quick. The band's going to make their way back up. I want to encourage you for a brief moment before we continue worshiping. Man, I know that you guys are battling stuff in your life. I know you got everything going on in your life. I know you're busy, and I'm so grateful that you decided to spend your Monday night with us worshiping and praying and seeing Jordan Lee get baptized and hearing about the word and being all together, all of us in the same room, our hearts and our minds alike. Thank you for coming out tonight. But I got to tell you, as good as this is, if it stops here, you're missing the point. All God wants to do tonight is springboard catapults you into Tuesday morning, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, where you can live for Him confidently. Look at me, let me have your eyes. When you leave here this week, you don't walk by your own wisdom. You don't walk trusting yourself, Cole. You don't walk doing whatever, going wherever, saying whatever, you walk in the wisdom of God. You realize that if you pray, he will set up special appointments for you all through the week. You realize that he will set up an appointment for you to encourage someone tomorrow, to be encouraged tomorrow. Some of us need to be encouraged. God will set up someone to come and encourage you with scripture. God is placing people in front of you who you can impact. Some of you have family members that don't know Jesus Christ. God will align your time to speak to them this week and to encourage them and to love them and share truth with them. But if it ends here, If it's just Monday nights, you're missing it. And God has so much more for you. And some of you in the room, as I said at the beginning, as I said last week, you you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior. I gotta tell you, the greatest thing you could ever do is give your life to Jesus Christ. And if you're a Christian, I'd love for you to just pray right now. But I was 21 years old, I was lost, I was a lonely college student at University of Memphis and man, I was so alone. You ever feel alone? You ever feel like you're just doing life and nobody's with you, it's just you? Nobody understands you, nobody relates to you? I felt that way at 21 and I decided, after hating Christianity for a long time, I decided to go to Jesus and to try what so many people have told me about before. And man, when I start going to Jesus. I started realizing that He knows me better than I know myself. That in all of my sin, in all of my darkness, in all of my brokenness, He knew me and He chose to die for me. He chose to give up His life on this earth so that I could have life in heaven. He left heaven and came down to earth so that when you and me leave earth, we get to go to heaven. He is the supreme ruler, he is the savior, and he wants to know you, but you gotta make that decision on your own. We ain't gonna bait you into saying no prayer, we ain't gonna bait you into making no decision, it's a decision that only you can make. But I gotta tell you, it is the greatest decision you will ever make. Repent of your sins, believe in Jesus as your Lord, confess that he is your savior, and you will inherit not a religion, Not a check box or something you got to get done. You will inherit the greatest relationship your life could ever have. He will change your life. Let's bow our heads tonight. As you're bowing your heads, nobody's looking around. It's just you and me. I just want you to, if that was you, if you're in the room and you feel like you need Jesus. (laughs) or you have questions, you need to talk to someone, I just want you to pull your phone out real quick. No one's looking around, it's just you and me. I want you to pull your phone out and I just want you to text Jesus to 901-833-7525. And if you text that right now, you can text Jesus. We will reach out to you this week. We will encourage you. We will talk with you. We'll walk you through what it really looks like to have a relationship with Jesus. We'll set you up with people in your life who can encourage you, who can get to know you, who can walk with you. And we'll answer any questions that we can. And if you're a Christian this week, how are you going to live your life? Are you going to live by your power? Or are you going to live by the power of Elohim, of God, of Jesus Christ? Heavenly Father, we love you. And God, we we need you tonight in this place. Father, our city needs you. Our families need you. Our soul needs you. Our future needs you. God, I just pray right now for all of these college students that they would talk with God. They would walk with you. They would spend time with you. Father, I pray right now that you would save someone for the first time. That they would begin to have a testimony like Jordan Lees, that they would have a testimony of being radically changed and radically saved by you and you alone, not a building, not a preacher, not a people group, but by you and your son. Father, I pray for all of us that this week we would realize and trust that you have power over this creation. There's nothing for us to fear, that you have power over time, that it belongs to you, and we can trust that. And Father, I pray that you would grant us the wisdom. Of Yahweh, that you would grant us the wisdom that you use to create everything so that we know how to make decisions in our life. Lord, be with us now as we worship. Allow us to sing out and to worship you. It's in Jesus' name we all pray. If that's your prayer, say amen. Amen.